Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Hello and welcome to Springboard Virtual University. My name is Albert Okran, welcoming you on behalf of Ghana's most inspirational show and the place where the greatest minds in the world converge. Springboard is brought to you by the Springboard Virtual Foundation and proudly sponsored by MTN Pulse, the Enterprise Group, and the Ghana Growth Program. So, We've been on this journey for the past three editions, looking at job pathways. Where are the jobs? What should young people do? Where should they look? Where are the openings and opportunities that they can take advantage of? So far, we've been exploring the fastest growing industries on the continent and trying to point young people in the direction of where the biggest openings are. So for the benefit of anyone who has not followed us in the past few conversations, we've been looking at the five fastest growing industries in Africa in the past year as food, fintech or financial technology, e-commerce, real estate, and logistics. These are the five that have been of interest to us in the past few weeks. And last week, we started talking about e-commerce and the job opportunities there. Today, we want to settle on financial technology. What is happening there? Where are the openings? And anyone just start a fintech? And what do you do to make yourself attractive to that space? We are privileged to have Priscilla Hazel, Group Head of Commercial at Sun Limited, with us in the studio. Priscilla, good to see you. Nice to see you too, Albert. How's the year going so far? Yeah, it's been good. So far, so good. We are halfway in the year. I'm looking forward to even better things for the rest of the year. Right. So this is a conversation about jobs, jobs, and jobs. And it's rising on the fact that Africa's unemployment is considered to be one of the big threats to our developmental efforts as as a leader, a corporate leader, and and someone in management in such as a thriving industry, how do you feel when somebody comes out of university and they don't have a job to do and they keep knocking on doors from place to place without any solution? Most of us have been to the university. We've experienced how it feels like leaving school, having a lot of aspirations and goals, expectations. Some people come out and they are lacking in quotes because they get jobs right away. And there are others who apply for different jobs, all sorts of jobs, and they are not able to get. Now, the difference here for some people is people are able to venture into the entrepreneurial game and figure their way around and be able to produce value to the society. Others, for some time, will stay at home, fold their arms, wait for a while, try and see if they'll get a job. Sometimes two years will go by, three years will go by. But what I've seen is whether or not you get a job, um, in an industry you want or an industry you never knew anything about. Just being able to do something all the time is what creates value for you as an individual. So if you did not have access to enter into the job market immediately after school, just trying to do something on your own creates value, helps you upgrade whatever skills you have and allows you to be able to provide value as an individual. More or less, I think for graduates who come out of the university, it's not a challenge if you don't have a job. Look for something to do on your own. 
let me let me stay on that tangent and just find out before we settle on your industry find out from you when you sit on an interview panel and somebody comes in wanting to work at Insan, what do you look for it's a matter of interest typically i look out for the soft skills not really what they've been able to do academically or professionally i look out for people who are proactive they seem to appear proactive they pay attention to detail they're willing to learn and they seem like they have the ability to get things done. Those are things that are important to me, in addition to their character. Well, go over it again. So if somebody's trying to apply for a job in your firm, <laughs> what do you look for? So one, you like people who are proactive? Like, the things you tend to look out for, in addition to their skills and their professional background, are the softer skills and their character. So their attention to detail, how they portray that they pay attention to detail, um, their willingness to learn, how proactive they seem, and the ability to get things done in your interactions with them. Those are the things you look out for. I've written these four things so that if anyone wants to get a job in your firm and I, I chance upon them, I'll tell them, you see, that, that woman, when you see that woman, <laughs> and she's asking you questions, please, these are the four things. Proactive, attention to detail, willingness <laughs> to learn, and you must be a doer. Not a talker, a doer. Okay. So these are the four things you look out for. Let's talk about your industry. Okay. What's happening there? It's... How does it look like in the first place? Because you hear the name FinTech, 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 but what exactly is financial technology? How big, deep, and wide is the industry? So FinTech essentially is financial technology. And financial technology is really just finance and technology. So using technology to provide value in finance, that's what FinTech really is. And when you think about finance, there are different areas in finance. There's lending, investment, payment, the different areas you find in finance. So the idea is using technology to provide value in the different areas you find in finance. That's basically what FinTech is. So um, let me go back to one of the most revolutionary things that happened in this country in the area of technology powering finance. And it, it, it's interesting that I always tell myself, it also, also talks about the power of communication. And I'm going back to the first mobile money advert. Iconic advert of a woman running to say she's received money. Somebody asking, where is the money? But the fact that her child who's far away could send her money, the joy that it gave her, for me, it was very relatable, the fact that somebody was somewhere, wants to give money to somebody elsewhere, and would have wished you were there to do it, but technology makes that possible. Fast track several years later, it is almost like a commonplace day-to-day -day thing. Give, give me a sense of the, the breadth of people that, that it employs. I mean, what kinds of people are involved when we talk about the, the, the value chain or the ecosystem? I mean, I'll take it from the point of view of maybe the mobile money space, from what you mentioned. So it's clear for people. Because in Ghana, mobile money has propelled fintech significantly. Almost 60% of Ghanaians about the age of 15 years have mobile money account or a mobile wallet. And over the years, it's been growing gradually. Um, it's been spearheaded by the telcos. And currently, the mobile money space employs countless people just going to the service providers themselves by the mobile money. Apart from the technology that they use, we have the agents that they, they provide value for who get jobs in that industry. We have merchants, people who work with merchant stores who get value from the fact that they can leverage these products. And then we have the fintech companies who have leveraged their mobile money companies to be able to provide value to customers. And in these organizations, we have people who work in different departments in these organizations that also provide value to their companies. So I think when people think about value or the kind of jobs that they can get in this area, it's just not limited to technology. It's really cuts across all different job fields, all different professions that you see around, just being able to provide value within the FinTech space. Let's take the, the, the typical FinTech company. You mentioned that when you enter a FinTech company, there are different professionals working there. Give me a sense of the different kinds of skills that are typically found in a thriving fintech? Fintech, like I mentioned, is financial technology, finance and technology. So 
In any organization that deals with money, there are certain things you need to pay attention to. So compliance is one of the things you need to um, pay attention to. Compliance is important. It prevents the company from um, facing legal uh, repercussions or being sued because you put certain processes in place to protect um, data and the transactions that you are processing if you are into payments. We have people who are into law, legal, because there's regulatory implications. You need to understand the regulations, what you can do, what you cannot do, what you need to apply for, or if you don't need to apply for anything, at least understand where you stand as a company. We have products and services that are created. And in order for the products and services to be created, you need new people and products to be able to conceptualize the products, understand how to interface with the customers, how the customers will receive the products and the value you can provide. Um, so will those be the engineers? So no, so product people, so people who conceptualize do not necessarily have to be engineers. You just have to understand what the customer will need and conceptualize it and the engineers. Are they like innovators? Are they like incubators? Tell me, help me to understand it. Are these like people who are concept developers or what? To some extent. So they are thinking. So, so they try and understand what the customer needs are. Okay. For any business, you want to provide value. What do customers want? What can we build that will provide value to customers? With this work, you speak to customers, you do your research, get some data, and then you come up with a product or a concept that will solve a problem that you notice on the market. So you have some of these people in organizations. So this is what entrepreneurs do. Entrepreneurs look for problems and they come up with um, solutions to those problems. We have entrepreneurs within companies who also look at problems outside that their companies can solve, and they come up with products to be able to solve these problems. Are some of these roles recent developments, or these are roles that were there 10 years ago? To be, to be honest, most of the roles you see have been there. I mean, if it's 10 years, have been there 10 years ago. So that now there's more light being thrown on them in recent years. For the compliance roles, for legal roles, for marketing roles, product roles, they've been existing. But in the past decade, more light has been thrown on the importance of these roles in some of these industries. Last week in our conversation about e-commerce, the suggestion was that whereas it's been, it's been highlighted as one of the fastest growing sectors in Africa, in the Ghanaian case, it's not done as well as others have. What would be the case with fintech? Would you see that Ghana is abreast with the, the pace of growth in Africa or we are a step ahead of the curve? I'll answer it in three different ways. The first one, when it comes to customer onboarding or adoption of um, fintech technologies, Ghana is doing pretty well. If you look in Africa, we are one of the countries that has the fastest growing mobile money um, population. Like I mentioned earlier, about six, almost 60% of people over the age of 15 have a mobile money wallet. So when it comes to adoption of technology, because people are accepted as technology, it's easy for fintech companies to build on top of this and provide more value. So you see that happening in Ghana. But when it comes into funding, investments being received by the industry, the fintech industry, Ghana is a bit behind. It's lagging behind some of the well-known players like Kenya, Nigeria, and some of the Northern African countries. So, and it's not just external investment, both internal and external investment, we seem to be lagging behind. In Nigeria, for instance, they've received in aggregate investments to the tune of over $1.2 billion. Kenya, close to over $200 million. In Ghana, it's even difficult to find accurate data on how much investment has come into the country to the fintech sector. So on that front, I'd say that Ghana is behind. And then my third point, when it comes to regulatory, we seem to be doing very well. Ghana is one of the few countries on the continent that has fintech regulation. If the central bank has created a fintech office to help regulate the activities of fintechs, because they see the value that they're sector is providing to the economy. So on these three fronts, I'd say two of them, yes, Ghanaian fintech sector is growing, but when it comes to investments and funding, there's still a long way to go. Right, so that is where we are asking the money to go into the sector so that we can, can, we can fully grow to the potential that it has. For a fintech to do well, what would be, in your opinion, the critical success factors? Would it be personnel? Would it be technology? Would it be... Would it be innovation? Would it be? I'll take it in four areas, according to me, Priscilla Hazel. The last um, one was three. This, yes. this is four. The next one will be five. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Four areas, okay. I mentioned that 
when you're doing fintech or you're doing financial technology, you're dealing with money. And people are very intentional about their money. So even in the banking sector, finance sector, compliance is an area that's very important. If you're going into the fintech area, you need to be intentional about your compliance, making sure you check all the right boxes. Because if your compliance works, you protect your company against any issues like lawsuits that could in turn affect the company. Secondly is your technology. I mean, you're in fintech, um, we are called financial technology, there's a technology arm to what we do. So your technology and the team that works with it should be up to date, um, protect the security and data of your customers, make sure that you're innovative and you're abreast with what is going on in the space so that you can provide services in that regard to your customers. And next I'll say is your business processes and your more like your operations. If your processes are working and are implemented well, there'll be efficiency. And if there's efficiency, your customers are happy because things work and they are working the way it's expected to work. So business processes is extremely important to any business to be successful. Last but not the least, I'll say the culture of the organization. When I say culture, I mean culture in different areas. The culture of, as a fintech company that deals with money, culture of transparency, um, culture of nimbleness, being culture of innovativeness, um, not tolerating things to do with fraud uh, or um, anything that will go against um, the financial space or anything that the regulator would not approve of. You should have a culture within the organization that protects against that. But for me, um, in, the, in the role I occupy right now, because you manage people, um, business processes is important for me. So you say culture. Yes. Culture is important. It's related. It's related. Like but in my day-to-day -day work, managing people and ensuring that things are supposed to be done in a particular way to be able to provide value, I'd say the processes you have in place in an organization can make the com company successful or not. So it's very important to pay attention to that. From the client perspective, mm -hmm. this is that's that's what you think is a killer. All, all four of them are killers. I won't, I won't even choose. If I was forced to choose, I'd mention that. But all four of them are very important. Right. Let's, let's take ourselves outside Ghana. Let's, let's go across the world. Have you, ever, have you ever experienced outside Ghana a transaction, a service, something that made you say, wow, People are doing things in your sector. Give me an example of something that you, you experienced that you said. Uh, maybe I'd like to reverse the question. What I have seen that um, amazes me is that we're actually doing interesting things here in Ghana. You know, and in Sano, where I work, we are in Ghana, we are in Sierra Leone, we are in Cote d'Ivoire, we're in Zambia, we're in Uganda. So you get to visit these other countries and see what sort of um, developments have happened in the fintech space. And in Ghana, one thing that people don't realize is true value is the fact that you can send money to someone directly to their bank account or their mobile money wallet and they'll receive their money real time. So you click the button send and the person receives their money in real time. It's not something you find easily across the continent and even in other countries outside. Most of it's in some markets for you to receive money in your bank account that has been transferred from another bank. It can take 48 hours to 72 hours. And even in Ghana, having a switch that that's real-time processing, you don't have that in um, some of the more developed countries. They still have delayed processing in those countries. And it's not a value people realize, but it's something that we should be proud of. So on the reverse, I've gone out and seen that we are really doing good things in Ghana that we should be proud of. Being the, 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 the nationalist that I am, it's, it's nice to hear that we have something that others, others can emulate. And you think this is a result of, isn't this a result of the continuous development of the sector that we are talking about? Yes. The past years? Yes. It's the result of the entire fintech ecosystem. So when we talk about the fintech ecosystem, we have the regulators who are there, we have the service providers like the telcos and the banks, we have the fintechs, the technology companies that actually build the solutions and provide the solutions. And then we have the customers. It's an interconnect between everything that's happening. The banks have opened up their systems to allow us to be able to connect 
and send money directly. Mobile money companies have opened us and given us APIs or um, tools to be able to connect to them to allow for payments on different platforms. The regulator has been very intentional about creating a conducive space for fintechs, giving us um, an office we can directly work with. Um, offering us a licensing regime to sort of structure things within the industry. So the combination of that is what has helped propel us this way as a country. This is Springboard, your virtual university. And if you just joined us, this is the, the fourth in our conversations about job pathways. What are we trying to do? We are trying to open up a big conversation, not just for Ghana, but across Africa, about where the jobs are, what we should do as a people, especially our young people, both in the formal and the informal sector. And in the course of this journey, we have we've kind of dovetailed into the fastest growing industries across the continent with our focus today being on financial technology, AKA FinTech. And my guest for today, Priscilla Hazel from Insan Limited. She's the group head of commercial and she's helping us to appreciate the critical success factors, what she looks out for when somebody sits um, in an interview wanting to work with her firm, and also the Ghanaian ecosystem where we are ahead of the curve and what she would like to see more of. She says she wants to see more cash, more investment in the sector. But she Escuchas ese rugido? Sientes la experiencia de poder? La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. I'm very excited about the fact that in terms of regulation, in terms of adoption or customer onboarding, and very importantly, in terms of real-time action in making transactions reflect in real time. She says we are well ahead of the curve compared to other African countries and also even countries across other continents. If this is a conversation that you're interested in, call somebody to call somebody to tune in, log on, or let's just get this conversation going. What has been your experience? What do you want to see? And where are you trying to locate yourself in terms of jobs and opportunities? Let's join this conversation on social media as we debate the points that Priscilla is sharing. Priscilla, COVID-19 totally defined several sectors. For some, it was a major disruptor and they've not been the same again. For others, the disruption was in the form of rather enabling them to shoot to new heights. What would you say has been the impact of COVID and all the repercussions on the financial technology space? We've debated this internally at work, um, how COVID-19 has impacted us as a business since we're in the fintech space. Um, one thing I can say, I can give an example that will be very real. Um, I have older uncles who have sworn to never use mobile money. I mean, cash has always came for them. They'll walk into a shop and want to pay with cash or they'll have someone come and pick up their money and drop it off because they trust that system. But what COVID did was, it's in a way forced people to try and use techno existing technology. So if you were someone who preferred to walk in and pay with cash, now you had to try and use mobile money or try using a card payment online or using an internet banking interface or whatever app is there to help you make payments. Because you couldn't leave home. You couldn't interact as much as possible. So adoption of technology, these new technologies shot up in that period. And in fact, it affected us because that's our area like automating these processes and making it easier for people to find value in using technology in finance. So for us as a fintech company, we saw that more people were interested in using our services because it provided them more value. It was convenient. And once they started using it, you know, you need to use something once and see the value to want to continue using it. If you hadn't used it before, it's difficult to convince someone to use it. Once you start and you see the value on your own, you want to keep using it. And that's what we've seen over the years. So as people adopted, not many of them dropped off after. People have kept using it and it's become part and parcel of their lives. So for so us, COVID-19 was... Benefited. We benefited to some extent. Wow. <laughs> All right. So that's the conversation we are having. Which industry are you in? How did... How did COVID impact your industry? Did it make it stronger? 
Did they create new opportunities? Priscilla, did it also require you to adopt to new skills? For instance, I mean, let's talk about virtual work, hybrid work. There are some firms that have not gone back to work since COVID. And so it requires managing people in different ways, learning to work in different ways, and the debate about even how can you measure productivity with the person wearing shorts and who is probably watching a super sport while he's also, also doing the work. Tell me, is, is, what, what has been the impact from you as a manager just watching the space? I mean, it's been interesting, and I'm sure it's the same for a lot of people in different industries. For me, before COVID, I couldn't imagine the entire office working from home because it was not something we had done. We hadn't experimented with it. We hadn't tested it. So it just didn't seem like something that would work or would be possible. But COVID has made us realize that we are, it's possible. We are capable than more than we thought we could do. So now we, during COVID, we had remote working. We had to work. And um, what made it easier for our industry is most of our work can be done on a computer and any interaction can be done online for most of the stuff we do internally. So it was easy for us to translate that to remote working. So there's a lot of virtual calls, virtual meetings, virtual deliberations, and a lot of work was done via email or all these different um, platforms that would help us to collaboratively work together. We use that. So it, it, it worked for us to some extent. And even after COVID, we sort of kept at it for a while in different ways. So it's easy for people to set up virtual meetings now. Before, for some of our partners, the insistence was for you to come to the office and have a meeting. But most people were like, let's have a virtual meeting. It's just as effective as a face-to-face -face meeting. Yeah, so to some extent, we've seen some value in the workspace and it's helped with people's work-life balance as well. I, I, I recall a day when I, I spoke in a conference in the UK, it was a, it was a church conference. I, and I just finished speaking. And if, if I'm not exaggerating, the next 30 minutes, I was speaking at another conference in the US. And it was just in the same seat, just, just, just switched from one, one, Zoom, one Zoom call to another. And I was just imagining the savings on airfare, the savings on hotel, on the time. On time. And the fact that considering that they were both on the same day, I'd have had to decline one. In this instance, you were able to do both. And I have a feeling that both, both were blessed or they benefited from the thoughts that I shared. So it opens up then suddenly a new, a new space of possibilities. Uh, I can speak to what happens internally, maybe with a business team internally. Now you have access to more clients. In a day, if you had to travel in Accra's traffic to about three different places at opposing ends of Accra, you probably will spend six hours in and out. But now, if most of your meetings are scheduled online, you have access to more clients. You can um, have more meetings, make more presentations, close more deals in a day than you typically would have been able to do before COVID. So you see the value in that sense. You're able to achieve more as a result of some of these um, services that we use now. It's a world of possibilities out there, and that is the lesson Priscilla is sharing with us about the effect of COVID and its repercussions on the operations of her organization, and by extension, several companies that have been able to adapt to the new ways of working. Let's go for a break. When we come back, let's find out in the light of all this, what's next and what should you be doing if you have an interest, not just in the fintech space, but in the job market as a whole. How should you be positioning yourself and where are the openings coming? This is Springboard Virtual University and the fourth edition of our discussion about job pathways. Please don't go away. When you can be anything, who will you become? When you can go anywhere and never feel alone, how far will you go? When you have the means to make your dreams real, when will you start? When your voice can reach every ear, who will you inspire? When your money can travel faster and further than you ever could, where will you send it? When you can tell a story in every language, which ones will you tell? When nothing can stop you, 
and everyone's behind you, and the whole world awaits you. Don't go alone. Go with us. Everywhere you go. Kojo Korea. I tried the Billy Goats. No, fall leaders in school time. I am sending you this WhatsApp audio because you are the group admin. Did I not sit in the same class with you? As them. It took the group more than three months to contribute only a thousand CDs for me. When it took just one week to contribute the same amount for Nana. Why? looking faces. A situation like this can be avoided. Sign on to Alumni by Enterprise Live. Designed for members of all student associations. You decide a fixed amount that covers the lives of members their spouses and two adult relations say bye-bye to unequal welfare contributions with alumni by Enterprise Life. It's possible. Charlie, call Daniel on 0246-373653 or Karen on 050-162-7361. Dream big with us. Enterprise, your advantage. <laughs> Welcome back to Springboard Adventure University and to this conversation about job pathways. My guest, Priscilla Hazel, Group Head of Commercial at Insano Limited, helping us to understand the jobs, the pathways, the opportunities, and the trends in financial technology, what we call fintech. And she's been sharing about the fact that our adoption rate here in Ghana is quite phenomenal, with over 60% of adults having a mobile money wallet. She's talked about the fact that our regulation and our onboarding are the thumbs up points for her as far as the fintech industry is concerned. Her area of expected progress or growth, where she thinks we can do better, is about the level of investment in the sector. She's also been saying that the critical success factors of the industry are typically compliance, your technology backbone, your business processes, and then your culture. Very, very importantly, she shared how COVID-19 and its attendant disruptions and changes have provided impetus to the fintech sector and generally increased the traffic in the sector because people who otherwise would have insisted on cash transactions had to try and found out that they liked what they got with financial services in the technology space and therefore stayed in that space. Please, let's stay with them. the fastest growing industries I mentioned earlier. I mentioned food, fintech. And by the way, it's expected that food will overtake fintech this year. And not surprisingly, that it will be the number one this year in Africa. This, this big conversation about food, but let, let me leave you out on that one. It, did any of those five surprise you? Food, fintech, um, real estate, e-commerce, logistics. Did any, any surprise you? Um, I don't think they surprised me much. I think what I was excited about was logistics when I saw that. Um, the reason is, in as much as we are, in, we are fintech and we are into payments, we are very intentional about Africa as a company. Africa is important to us and trade between African countries is important to us. And one of the things that would encourage trade between African countries is if we have a good logistics infrastructure that will help to move goods and services across borders. So when I saw logistics, I was very happy because in effect, it means that that dream that we have as Africans to be able to trade very well amongst ourselves, is we are edging closer and closer to that because that industry is growing as well. So logistics is what interested me in the entire list. What's the connection between these these five industries? Where is it? I mean, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll backtrack a bit for people who are listening and want to understand this clearly. So I've explained financial technology. I've explained finance and the fact that there are different areas in finance. There's payments, there's investments, there's savings. But you realize in our entire conversation, most of the time when we speak about fintech, we've been talking about payments. We've spoken about mobile money, we've spoken about bank payments, real-time transactions. But really what we've been speaking about is just one small section of fintech. Because payments for us and for me, when I say us as a company and for myself, is like the 
means to an end. It's almost like you are building the foundation to allow everybody else to build on top of. Because if you had something to do in real estate or you had something in e-commerce and you could not enable payments, there was no way that would even work in the first place. So what the way you see the interconnectedness between the different sectors is the fact that fintech has sort of laid the groundwork for everybody to be able to build on top of. Because for any any form of goods and services, there needs to be payments. So payments needs to be established. It's the rails. Now, each of these industries need to feed off of that to be able to work. So that's why I see that interconnectedness happening. So within these industries, they'll definitely feed off a section of fintech. Now, the other areas in finance also do so because when it comes to investment, you also have to come up with technology that provides value in investment. Do we need payments? If you talk about pensions, the same thing. Insurance, the same thing. So that's how we are all interconnected with the way we are portrayed right now. The fact that we allow for payments across these industries. You know how you know how the, everybody's worldview is, is is so much framed around where their heartbeat is. The food people say food undergets everything because everybody eats. The technology people say, listen, all the five are powered by technology, and and you say. It's all powered by, by financial technology. Everything. You need money to do anything. So what we've done is we've just made it easier to use money online to get what you need. Springboard your virtual university discussing financial technology with Priscilla Hazel. And she's saying that the fastest growing industries across the continent are all powered by financial technology. Priscilla, looking forward, I, I, I won't be surprised that you sleep, eat, drink, and, 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 and breathe fintech, where do you see the industry going forward? Or what, what would your ideal Ghana be? When it, I think I, I've read that one. What would your ideal Ghana be in terms of the financial technologies and their adoption? Um, ideal will be there's a 100% adoption rate of technology in the country. But that's like very much ideal. But right now, um, as a company, as a fintech, like I just said, we've been focused on payments. And for many of the many of the fintech companies you hear of in quotes generally have been focused on payments. You hear a few that are interspersed with the different areas of finance. But in the in 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 the grand scheme of things, most of what we've been focusing on are um, payments, building the rails for payments and payment processing. But in ten years' time. I don't expect that to be the focus. I expect different industries to have taken forefront, like from, like you mentioned, agriculture. Agriculture is important for us. The food industry is important for us. We should be able to be trading amongst ourselves very easily across the continent, not the way we do it now. Like we should not have to seek for food from outside the continent if there are some in any of the countries within the continent. It should become something that is as easy as a click of a button to buy tubers of yam from um, the northern part of Ghana if you're sitting in Gambia and it's delivered to you using logistics that has also been fully automated. You should be able to buy Kenyan tea very easily here in Ghana with a click of a button and you can be assured that it's going to arrive either in your company, your manufacturing ground or your home in a specific number of hours or days. That interconnectedness between ourselves using technology is what I'm looking to see in 10 years on the continent. So just not Ghana, because if, if, if you focus on Ghana, it's like you're just taking one aspect out of the whole. There should be so much interconnectedness between ourselves on the continent. I'm looking forward to seeing that in the next 10 years. What, what, are, what are some of the, the new areas that are fascinating you? I mean, when you ask this question, I think about myself. When I finished school, when I finished school, there was nothing like fintech. Yeah. So at the time, what we are doing now was not, there might have been fintech, but we had not coined the term fintech. There was nothing like aggregators, where you aggregate different payment platforms. And so for me, what we are doing now is totally different from what I even knew about when I finished school. I never thought I'll be in the fintech industry in quotes because there was nothing like um, fintech to me at the time. But really, what I've realized is um, it's more about people's taste and appetite and desires. Um, the current generation right now has different desires from the older generation. They want things done in their own way, in a particular time frame. They want to engage with technology in their own way. They want privacy in their own way. So it is necessitating different types of technologies that are coming up. So right now, FinTech to me, for someone who finished school in my year, 
would have been new for them now. Now it's, re it's regular for those who are being born now, those who are coming out of school. It's just the industry that you know about. In the next decade, right now we are hearing about um, um, all these self-driving cars. In the next decade, all those things will become regular and normal. People will go into those fields. What is new now is everybody's talking about AI. But even AI, we can't even comprehend how big it will become the vast amount of value you can provide because you're just training the machine to be able to act like a human when it comes to discernment and making decisions. And there's just so much that can be done in that regard. So I feel like my human brain sitting here cannot comprehend how big it will be. How powerful is reinvention from the individual perspective? Because I, I, you're talking about industries that are dying, reviving themselves products that are deemed to have lived their full life cycle, suddenly finding life again. But let me switch now to the individual. So your worldview is framed by what you knew from what you learned from school, what you knew in your time. Then suddenly the world is changing so much. I mean, virtual work, then now new technologies. How big is reinvention? Uh, it's super important. And if you recognize, you ask me about the things I look out for when I'm hiring people. You can't know where the world is going. You can't fully know, but you can be prepared in the way you are as a person. That's how I see it. Yes. So you're someone who's willing to learn. You are someone who is willing to get things done. You pay attention to detail. You are proactive. If you're willing to learn in any industry you're in, if there's any change, you're willing to go with the tide and learn as fast as you can. Then... Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. You see value in yourself. You're able to create value. So as a person or as a, the skill set you need is really in it. Because you cannot be intentional about selecting which industry, because you can switch industries at any point in time and be successful in both. It really depends on you as a person and how you apply yourself. So these these areas as a human being are important to me. That's why I look out for those things. If you're coming in, because if you don't know anything about fintech, you can learn about fintech if you are willing to learn about it and excel at it. If you pay attention to detail, you are proactive about stuff. So for me, reinvention is important, but more important is the individual themselves and how they are as a person, their, their skills, their soft skill sets and their character. You can do anything. Priscilla, do people sometimes come to you telling they're looking up to you and therefore want guidance or mentorship in their careers? I tend to have that happen quite often. Um, maybe it's more intentional around those who are around, who are close to me. Um, but at work, I also try to be intentional about that with the teams that I manage and those I work with. We have a very young um, team. People come to work with us straight out of the university. So with not a lot of skills and professional um, aptitude. So we're able to sort of train them and mentor them to be able to see things in a particular way, to be able to provide value to the company and also help themselves as individuals. We've sort of formalized and institutionalized that at work as well, where we've created a management training program where we take young people and take them through different sorts of training in different areas so that they can understand the full scope of work we do and they can become leaders in the organization with time. So that's what we have been doing on the yeah, work side. And professionally, I've been trying to be able to mentor a few people who have approached me to be able to do that. My my interest in asking that question is that I I'm just wondering when we in, in in school in Legon those days they used to have what they call the career guidance and placement center very powerful name and it was a place where you went if you wanted direction about what job options there were where the world is heading and I remember is it a Jew prophet very powerful man very I mean one of our, our mentors right from when we were in school was very active in, in, in career guidance. But taking it as, uh, away from him as a person and from, from, from those times, I'm just wondering how much of a challenge it would be for anyone in the career guidance space 
guiding anyone today when the world is moving so fast that even those who are the practitioners on the field can't keep pace with how things are, 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 are changing. Do, do you relate? Can you relate to what, I, what, I'm, what I'm thinking? 100%. I can relate to it 100%. I mean, traditionally, we had professions. There was lawyer, there was doctor, there was teacher, there was nurse. They were the standard professions everybody knows about. So somebody comes and they are good in a particular area. Oh, I think you'll be more versed as a doctor. Somebody will come and they're good with maybe numbers, maybe an engineer. So it was very easy to sort of direct people as to what to do with their lives. But things are not like that anymore. And it must be very difficult having to guide people. But I think what is important or what we, even me as a person and we as an organization has realized is you need to be a learning person. You just need to be someone who is always keeping updated as to what is going on. So you're always reading, you're always online, like you're subscribed to certain newsletters just to have a sense of where the world is going. And especially more so in our industry, that's the technology industry, because things are changing at a very fast pace. One thing that was crazy and new and the ish thing now becomes something that is old in about a year or two. So you have to know what new technologies are coming about. How can I use these new technologies to provide value to my customers so I don't lose out as a business? And it's the same with an individual. What are the new things happening around when it comes to technology, or even outside of technology? How can I leverage the new things that are happening? The only way you can know that is if you read and if you are updated online, subscribing to blogs and newsletters that talk about different areas of interest for you. So that's how you can mitigate against that. Yeah. So the recommendation of Priscilla is to read and keep yourself updated. But spare thought for parents who are counseling their children or debating with their children about career choices based on what existed 30 years ago, one whole generation away. It must be a very difficult, I mean, and, and, and it's a conundrum because the parent is so sure they know what is good for the child, and the child is also, also so sure they know what is good for them. How do you find the, the balance? I mean, at least for me, what I've told myself is I need to be open-minded. So if I have kids and the kids decide they want to go in a particular path, the important thing is that they have a good head on their shoulders, so they, they should be making the right decision in that regard, and you guide them. Because it's very difficult. Because it's like maybe 20 years ago telling your parents you wanted to start a business that they didn't understand. But 20 years down the line, they will see the value. Even 10 years now, it's even shorter. In a short time, in five years' time, people are able to start a company and exit the company and make a lot of money. So people can then see that there was value in what you were doing. So for parents now, I know it's difficult. It's not the norm. That's not how you were raised by your parents. You had to, you could select specific industries you wanted. You wanted your first child to be a doctor, your second to be a lawyer, third to be an engineer. But it doesn't need to follow along those trends anymore. There's just so much opportunity in the world now. So allow your children to explore, especially when they are younger. I mean, especially when they're fresh out of school. That's the time they have the chance to explore what they want to do. Don't hold them back. Allow them to explore it. Final question on, 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 on this. Let's go to policy. If you had your own way, if you had the attention of all policymakers, Priscilla Hazel addressing all policymakers. What's the one thing that you wish for the policymakers? To automate all payments in the country. Ooh. So any sort of government payment you have to make in any nook cranny of the country, it should be automated. You don't have to have walk to any government building or organization to make payment for any service. Everything should be online and people should be able to make payments. It will help with transparency. It will help us be able to keep track of funds that are coming in. And it will help us be able to use the money for developmental purposes. So it'll be, um, it'll be easy for people not to steal the money because everything is going to be in a centralized pool. You can have track funds coming in. And I think if we do that, more people will adopt technology. Because now if there's no other way for you to be able to pay virtually, you, you, you start to use other forms of um, technology as well because you've developed the habit of paying services online. I think that's one of the things I like to see government do. Automate every payment process that government needs. You know my two-word response? Why not? Why not? Nothing does. All right, so that's Priscilla's one wish for policymakers. Automate all payments. Priscilla, let, let, me, let me sign off on this with by asking you for the young person listening out there, especially the person who is unemployed or about to finish school and scared. We, we travel a lot on Springboard to 
different institutions, and then we do a lot of community work where we travel to. We just had a very in, in, intense two months of travel in the central region, going through the fishing villages, Moray, village, town to town, community to community. And the, the challenge of youth unemployment is much bigger than most people are. And conceptualize. One day we'll unpack, we'll unpack the the story of our recent travels. But from where you sit, a young person who's either unemployed or about to start life and is concerned about their future, sat in front of you. What would you tell them? They shouldn't be concerned. They shouldn't be too concerned. Um, one advice I give to many people who come to me and are struggling with finding jobs or not knowing what to do. One of the things I've told many people, which is what I did myself when I was growing, when I, when I came out of school, don't focus on money too much, especially when you come out of school. Um, I advise people, apply for a job and tell them that they don't need to pay you and that you're only there to learn. Um, go walk into any organization. Well, most people just even like the great, the audacity of people to do that. Walk into any organization. I don't know in detail what you do, but I'm here to learn. You don't need to pay me any money. I'm here to do assist in any way. What that affords you, it affords you the chance to learn about that company and the industry they are in and to see what value you can get. And I can bet you, if you go in and you work hard, they will ask you to stay and they will start paying. Like it's, Every time people I know around me have done that, they always end up getting the job afterwards. Because you walk in, people, employers are thinking about their money. They don't want to pay. They're trying to save money. And now they've gotten free hand to work. When you go in, work as hard as you can. Learn as much as you can. If you are providing value to your employer or to your boss, they don't want you to leave. They want you to stay. They ask you to stay. So that's some advice I give to those around me. And it's in the early stages out of school. Don't focus on getting the highest amount of money. And I did that. Quite a number of people around me have done that. You walk in, so I don't need to be paid. Your own okay, I can tell you about mine. So I think after university, between when we finished uni and starting service, I wanted to do something and not sit at home. So I was looking for somewhere I could work where I could learn at least about the industry because I didn't know what I wanted to do specifically. So I think once I walked into VRA at the time and I was directed to their corporate affairs and I walked into the lady's office and I asked her, she asked me what I want. I was like, I'm looking for a job and I'll start service in about four months or five months and I'm not doing anything right now. So I want something to do now so that I can learn. And she was like, they don't pay. I'm like, I don't expect her to pay me. I just want to be somewhere where I can learn and provide value. She was like, she's impressed. So she put me in one of the departments and I worked there throughout the period before I started service. And I learned a lot about what they do, how you should, uh, like in the professional life, how meetings, how to conduct meetings, what to focus on when you're having conversations, how to carry yourself. Those are things that you won't notice you're learning to relieve and have to actually start working. So for many people, and, and this transcended to my next job, because I did the same thing again, Okay. And then I started working there. So Moving principles for entering corporate me, places. Because so, everybody focuses on money now. So if you go and you do that and you work very hard and learn, people will not want you to leave. They'll either find a new place somewhere else for you to go to or they'll retain you. All right. How to become a group head commercial in a fintech? Number one, go to VRA. Oh, no, go to your workplace. <laughs> <laughs> That's a book coming up. Coming up before the end of the year, how to be group head of commercial. <laughs> Go to a workplace and offer yourself for free and, and ask not to be paid. And you will learn, yeah, you will learn how to organize meetings. If you are sitting at home, you are still not going to be paid, right? What a prescription. It will work, it will work. <laughs> All right, so these are the thoughts that Priscilla has been sharing with us. Priscilla Hazel, group head of commercial at Insano Limited, a fintech in this country, very powerful fintech at that. She's been sharing her lessons on the job pathways, the first being that in hiring anyone, proactive attention to detail, willingness to work, and the ability to get things done. She says doers are important. These are the four things she looks for in hiring anybody. Number two is about Ghana's 
about the 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 the, the payment technology ecosystem. She says our adoption rate is phenomenal with about 60% of adults aged 15 plus having mobile money wallets. And she shared about the different categories of people that are employed in the space and that for even the regular fintech, when you enter, you'll find people in compliance, people in product development, people in legal and all kinds of roles in these spaces. The third point she's made is about the Ghanaian case where we are on the curve. She says, customer onboarding and adoption, we are ahead. Regulatory framework, we are ahead. Investments, we'd like to see much more. The fourth is about the critical success factors in any financial technology services business. Number one, compliance. Number two is technology backbone. Number three is business processes and number four is the culture the transparency the anti-fraud systems etc the fifth one point she made is that COVID-19 and its restrictions opened up new spaces and made people dare to attempt to use financial technologies and they found it useful and therefore stayed so it helped grow the industry also she's saying that being able to do virtual meetings and hold minimal meetings a day, of course, has increased efficiency and reduced cost, and it's good for business. The next point is about the five fastest growing industries. And she's the one that is really exciting here is logistics because it can enable inter-African trade. The seventh point is that her ideal Ghana should have food sufficiency, good intercontinental trade. And she says the person sitting somewhere in Ghana must be able to buy Kenyan tea. The person in Burkina must also be able to buy anything produced in Ghana and have it delivered seamlessly without any challenge. The eighth point is about the fact that the job landscape keeps changing and her own job that she's doing probably didn't even exist at the time she left school, so she couldn't have been conceptualized it at the time she left school or, or imagined it. But to keep pace, you must be reading and updating yourself online what is happening across the world. The ninth point from Priscilla is about policy. She says, number one, number two, number three, automate all government payments. That will be her prayer, her wish, and her desire. It will, be, it will help transparency. It would help us to track it would also eliminate fraud largely. Last point is about young people who are unemployed. She says the key is simple. Offer your services for free, and once your value is established, your demand will go up and you'll be paid for it. That is the key to becoming group head of commercial at Insano. These are the words of Priscilla Hazel on Springboard, your virtual university. Priscilla, your closing thoughts. Oh, you're writing the book, aren't you? <laughs> it appears so. <laughs> I've given you the title already. What will be your, your closing thoughts for anyone anyone listening to this conversation about job pathways and the financial services or financial technology sector? Yeah, I mean, I know when you are coming out of school, it, things can be very confusing. You're not sure what to do. Even when you're sure, you know, sure of what you want to do, you can get into that thought and realize that it's not something you actually wanted to do. You thought you wanted to do it. But the way the world is right now, you can always reinvent yourself and change professions and no one has an issue with it. You can also go into entrepreneurship. There's no problem if you see a solution to a problem that you see out there, you want to create value. There's no problem trying to create value. And I think a lot of people are also scared of failure. I feel like if I start something and it fails, it's like it's bad on me, it's bad on my reputation. But if you speak to people who invest in um, companies or individuals or even business leaders, you really respect those who have put themselves out there, have tried to make change and failed at it. It means they've, they have learnings and then their next venture will be even more successful than their first. So don't be scared of failure. No, that's, that's, those are my few thoughts I have for anybody who's thinking about jobs coming out of school. Priscilla Hazel, Group Head of Commercial at Insan Limited. Thank you so much for joining us on Spring. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. 
Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC.